Thank you for tuning in to In the Vine Dating Podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our newest segment called Who's in the Vine, released every Monday, where Melissa will be interviewing different guests to talk about the questions you ask. And remember to follow up every Thursday, where we will further discuss any questions or responses you may have. Please enjoy, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who's in the Vine podcast, a branch off segment from In the Vine Dating Podcast. And today, we get to do our second episode. We are so excited. Thank you so much for the feedback. Um, Hearing what you guys have to say about these episodes has definitely been very encouraging. And the fact that we got to interview A-Rob last week was definitely such an honor. And so with me today, I have Andre. So you have definitely heard us talk about Andre quite a few times on the podcast. He's Yesenia's husband, and he just had a baby girl. They just had a baby girl, Zariah, which we absolutely love. You might She might make an appearance sometime in the podcast. So if you hear a beautiful baby girl crying or whatever, you're welcome. So welcome, Andre. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I think this is really cool. A-Rob's podcast is awesome. Also, his table flippers is awesome. So make sure you guys check that out, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. So the reason why I wanted to have you here today is because, obviously, I have known you for 10 years already, which is crazy. And um, we started, I think we met like at, not I think, we definitely met at JCPenney, which that in itself is a huge journey. But I saw, you know, I saw your own personal journey, just you, your own. And then I saw when you and Yessie got together. So to me, I really got to see both of the paths intertwined. So it's just been like pretty amazing. So I think um, a lot of our listeners are definitely going to benefit from hearing your story. So tell us, like, how did you find Jesus? How did you come to the church? All the things, what you want to share. Okay, so obviously it's a very packed question. So I'm going to try and unpack it in a couple of different segments. So let's talk phase one, the first part of it. Growing up, didn't really grow up in church, mm. didn't grow up in the faith. I mean, I heard who Jesus was, right? Mm. We had Bibles around the house. But growing up, all I cared about was video games and sports. <laughs> and that's what led me to really have a passion for tennis to try and play professionally. Okay. So I was playing at a pretty high level, but wasn't in church, didn't have any church friends, was out in the world drinking, partying, uh, doing all the dumb stuff I shouldn't have been doing, right? Yeah. On Now knowing on this side of things. So was in college, got a job at JCPenney's. I was working there about five years. I left in 2017, but we met, I can't even remember what year we met. Was it 2012, 2013? So I got saved 2013. So it was either that, like the end of the year during that time or the next year for sure. Okay, yeah. So 2013, right around there, I turned... 21 in 2012 and that's when god really started tugging at my heart and i just had this burning desire to want to bless my meals before i ate out of nowhere Interesting. um i really wanted to open up the bible and read i wanted to just pray before i went to sleep just out of nowhere out really? of nowhere what? out of nowhere i had this burning desire to want to get to know jesus and he was really seeking me and he was tugging at my heart and that's when I started getting curious and interesting. it's interesting also because I, I've been baptized many times. Um, i trying to remember the first time I got baptized. I think it was 2013. So okay. I met the outsiders, you know, about my time right. when I was at the outsiders, 
It's a small youth group that was going house to house out here. My friends invited me, so I went to that. I got baptized in Pastor Adriana's pool right. in 2013 when they were hosting that event at their house with partnership with like Greater Works or something yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah. And so that's when I really started to get into the faith, but I wasn't at church yet. I still wasn't rooted in the church. Right. So I was doing the outsiders thing. And at one point I remember thinking, okay, I know there's more to this walk than just an altar call. Yeah. There's more to this walk than just Jesus loves me. I should put down the drugs. And that's, you know, that's pretty yeah. much, it was a repetitive message, which, I mean, the purpose was to evangelize. So I get it, right? Not knocking them down. So I went to Europe for 2014. God was really speaking to me. I had a journal there and came back. And that's when I started getting rooted at Greater Works. Mm -hmm. So 2015 was the year I was starting college uh, over here at Cal State Bakersfield for the bachelor's program in business. And that's when I knew that God wanted me to plug into a church and Greater Works was the church that he wanted me to be rooted in. That's crazy um, because a lot of our listeners are not going to know that you got baptized in Pastor Adriana's house, not knowing who she was and who she would be in your life. Right? Exactly. Because yeah. when you came to Greater Works, um, that's when the connection was made. That's like, oh, my God, like you got baptized at her house. And so it's just crazy the way that God was already orchestrating that. Um, what I love to hear is um, because what I, you know, I do know, like the group that you were in and all that stuff. Actually, I got saved or rededicated in that group, which to me is crazy, mm. because even though it was like very um starting out in Christianity or whatever, like it did serve a purpose at that time, you know? So that was, it's pretty cool to hear. So what happened when you decided to finally start getting rooted? So when I finally started getting rooted in 2015, it was like a night and day change for me. Uh, so many things changed right up front. Among some of those things were, I used to cuss a lot, mm. profanity was gone. I uh, didn't really care about drinking, smoking. I just did that in social circumstances. So that wasn't really that big of a thing. My music taste changed right up front. All the music I listened to, which dictated profanity and the lifestyle I had, which was I was heavy into hip hop. I was right. even making you know rap music at the time. That was gone. Even to my fashion, um, my perspective, my nutrition, the way I ate, everything just changed. And mm -hmm. looking back now, that was really God just taking me and shedding and helping me shed off the old man and yeah. start putting on the new man, which wasn't, it's not like a hundred percent of it was done at that time. Right. Yeah. But as I started getting rooted, I realized that accountability was a big thing that was missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started falling into all the darkness that I was in before. Right. So reaching out to pastor Abraham, uh, getting close mentorship with him, Pastor David Ray, who was our youth pastor mm -hmm. with the young adults at the time. It was a small group of us, right? Yeah. He was pivotal in my life, accountability. I had to call him a bunch of times, and he walked me through stuff. He prayed for me. That mm -hmm. was very helpful. And then even A-Rob, with him being really strict and stern with me, yeah. um, only because he also cared about, you know, Yessie right. later on when we started courting and stuff. So having accountability with these three men in my life that had – been through what I've been through yeah. and they were a little bit older than I was really helped me grow from an immature just care about sports video games slack on the job perspective mm -hmm. to okay I see what a man that's rooted in Christ looks like yeah by the examples of these guys I have and also what scripture says right and accountability is going to be one of the pivotal factors to get me there yeah and I think that's really good because I think when people share your story, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are always like, well, Andre, let me tell you about Andre. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it always starts with that because when when you first came in, like many of us, honestly, because we all came in around the same time, mm-hmm. we were just like, dude, Andre is just this dude, right? Like we just couldn't really put like a a pin on you, right? Mm. And so to see it unravel from like this guy who just came in who was like wild and doing all these crazy things that would come out with like the most outlandish things. Even the, the way that we talked about it in one of the podcasts where you were wearing like a fur coat and jeans and like shorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that. all these funny things. And then to see the progression throughout time. And I know that it did have to do with um, with accountability. Like I saw it firsthand. And so one of the things for me is at least like in my journey in Christianity and even in my own journey with accountability to the women mentors in, in the church is staying, right? Because Mentors can only do so much before you have to take responsibility for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, our mentors, like as devoted as they are and as invested that they are in our lives, I know that there comes a point where it's like, uh, I know, for example, with Pastor Linda, which is A-Rob's wife, she's like, well, did Jesus tell you to do that? So um, mm-hmm. it comes from this point where, you know, you go to the accountability and then all of a sudden it gets really difficult and you have to make that conscious choice to, to stay. Right. Like they're giving you tough choices and they're telling you, like, you need to change your ways. Like, so I guess it's a twofold question. The first question Mm -hmm. is, how did you handle those moments when you just wanted to walk away? Like what kept you there? And the second question is, um, how did you transition from I know you still get mentored. Like, I don't know that we ever grow out of that. But Mm -hmm. how did you transition from like, okay, you know, at this point in my life, it's no longer I should be doing this for the sake of doing this. But it turned into like. A stronger relationship with the Lord, like does that? Am I making sense with that? Yeah, mentorship. It, it, I get what you're saying. So let me let me dive a little yeah. bit into that. So the first part of the, the first question was how, what kept me around from wanting to walk away because yeah. it got tough. So just the way I am, I'm so driven. Where even my parents, you know, crack jokes about it. I'm two hundred percent into something, <laughs> or I'm zero zero percent into something. Yeah. So I never really thought ever about walking away. Mm. For me. I saw the goal, I saw the mountaintop that I was going to get to, and I didn't care about anything else, what it took to get there. Mm-hmm. And the thing that kept me in that mindset is going back to my training, playing sports. Yeah. So I've been there in sports, and I realized that I could just take everything I learned from there and apply it to now my faith, That's really good. especially as a, as a young baby Christian, right? So I would say that w- that's the first part without diving too much into it. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is mentorship to me it should start off about 90 percent of it is driven by the mentee Mm -hmm. and then the mentor meets you at the 10 Mm percent and then as it goes it dials back a little bit more yeah so it's dialed back a good amount now with abraham and even with a rob Mm -hmm. to a point where it's no longer hey i'm getting these thoughts you know like let's pray like Mm -hmm. that was i was going through that back in 2015 going through, breaking all the soul ties, just all the filth that I came out of in the world. And now it's more of, hey, so this just happened on the job. This is so exciting. And I want to share it with you to pray for bigger doors to open because I want to influence people for Christ. Yeah. And then it's a part of your fruit because I'm being, I'm successful. You're my mentor. So it makes you look good too. Exactly. So that's a lot of the conversation now in my mentorships. Yeah. And you know what? That is so good because even today as I was meditating on how this uh, interview was going to go and everything, um we all know the teaching from like first john right where it talks about um little kid correct me if i'm wrong which i'm sure you will it's uh like the little kids to the young men to like the older men right Mm -hmm. and so to like the fathers and Mm -hmm. so to me 
that's really what kept resounding in me because it's true like even in a conversation that i had with Lin, i'm like you know the more that i grow the more that my dynamic with my and my conversations with her change like now i get to have like more quote-unquote grown-up conversations with them right where it's no longer coming to them only when there's something going horrific horrifically wrong but now we get to actually have dialogue about life and i think that's when you get to that point in life then there's just a certain type of growth i also remember though however when you were in jc penny and just seeing how goofy you were and how um just for lack of a better term how goofy you were and we're like dude like we never know what we're, what's going to come out of andre right and so how did that transition go from goofing around at jc penny the shoe department and if i'm not mistaken like you would fall asleep in the stock room is that was that you that i remember it happened a couple times yeah, <laughs> yeah. early morning finding mismatched shoes yeah it wasn't the best just dedica- yeah. <laughs> dedication just focus on finding those things um from there do you guys hear that that's Zariah making her entrance <laughs> um yeah. anyway so from jc penny all the way to chase because he started working at chase and yeah. even seeing that transition, because I remember, like, um, if hopefully you don't mind me saying this, but I know I think you were a teller, right? Yeah, teller. And so from a teller, which, um, I mean, that's cool. But just seeing the way that you steward that, which is, I think, what set you up for this new job or this job that you're at now. And so talk about that. Like, how did that whole transition work out for you? So I would say that was another very pivotal moment in my life and mm-hmm. transitioning to being ready, being more mature to get married and to yeah. settle down with Yessi. So you mentioned I was a big goofball, and I remember I was looking at some of the messages on Facebook Messenger that I would send <laughs> A-Rob. Man, I don't know why, but I was just dying laughing because I, there was messages going back to 2013. Oh, my gosh. And one of the times I told them, hey, man, I'm eating a cheeseburger and thinking of you, and you're awesome, so I wanted to tell you that. <laughs> and I was just laughing at it like, man, I used to be such a weirdo back yeah. then. But Well, I feel like you would still send those. Yeah. <laughs> I would. It's it's toned down a lot, but yeah. back then I just had no filter where I would just have to say something that's yeah. on my mind. And so that led me to being a very lazy employee, mm. right? I could have been much better. Not saying I was the worst employee. Like I was able to still still get the job done, but it wasn't at a very mature masculine level where it's like, okay, this guy, you know, respect or right. honor. It's more of like, oh, he's a goofy guy. He can sell shoes. It's yeah. kind of kind of where I was at. So I was, I was there for five years up until I graduated college and then I left mm-hmm. and I was unemployed for about six months That's when I went to right. Israel in 2017 totally forgot about that. It was a profound experience. You were there. So you know how it went. Israel was incredible. And then uh, after I got my bachelor's, that's when I started applying 2017. Mm-hmm. But Chase was the only place that hired me. Mm-hmm. And I remember the whole time I was praying, Lord God, open up the doors you have for me, but close the wrong ones. Yeah. I want to be working where you need me. So I was at Chase for a year and a half. Uh, up until mid-2019, and that's when God just really started working on me and my mentorship with Abraham yeah. started gearing more towards becoming a good employee. Yeah. So I just started off as a regular teller, transactions, that's and then good. I became an ATM custodian, which I oversaw filling the ATMs. So more money responsibilities mm-hmm. into then becoming the vault custodian, which yeah. was the biggest shipments that we would get. And I remember the manager at the time, she told me, you're my strongest employee. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, man, I never thought I would hear something like that, mm-hmm. especially at Chase. I w- I've always wanted to work for Chase. It's funny, too. Mm-hmm. High school, I thought it was really cool. Uh, but I was there for a year and a half. And in April 2019, that's when God started showing me that 
he's ready to take me to the next level. Yeah. And I was curious what that was, if, you know, it was a different company or if I was to stay and do a different right. position. So I, I just remember hearing God tell me to revamp my resume mm -hmm. and apply again at this company. Yeah. So where I'm at now. So I did that, got the interview and God even was giving me dreams, speaking to me that I would get the offer at this point in time. Yeah. And it all went according to plan. And that's why I knew that being at this company is God's will for my life. Right. I think that's super profound because in today's day and age, society really just makes you separate, put things into compartments, right? Like, for example, um, like speaking from a woman's perspective, you know, you hear a lot about like, you know, only fans and all these things. And so women think that they can separate their career from their identity. And I'm not saying to like give yourself over to these things and that like, I'm not saying that at all, but there is a certain level of reflection of what kind of profession you decide to do, right? So for example, if I'm a Christian, like I'm not going to go out and sell drugs for a living, like do all those things. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because I think a lot of men, they cop out when it comes to that. It's like, they don't want to, they either don't want to do the work. And maybe I shouldn't say men because men really do do the work, but it's like young, young men, young boys, like that really haven't hit that part in their life where they want to mature and they want to move on to something else to, you know, in the Bible, it talks about, it gives us a picture of Adam where the Lord made him overseer of the garden, right? He was in charge of that thing. And as he his and as he was able to continue to hold that responsibility, the Lord even allowed him to start growing in his influence, right? Naming the animals, being able to just bring identity to things. And so for and I think that's just so profound with what God does, like for men. It's like the more responsibility and the more you take responsibility for the sphere that you're in, the more that your influence grows. And it's funny because, you know, some would like, some can probably look at, at Chase and be like, oh, that's Chase. But then to see how that, that amount of time prepared you for where you're at now, if people could just look at the journey and look at where they're at in that way, where it's like, it doesn't matter whether I'm at McDonald's, it doesn't matter whether I'm JCPenney, like, it's the way that you decide to steward it in that moment. And the Lord puts you in places where it, he's not really like, like, oh, Andre's working at this awesome place or he's working at this other place or he doesn't do that with us. What he looks at is the way that our heart behind it, right? How are we going to steward it? Are we going to take God's blessing? Are we going to expand it? Are others going to be able to eat, be a part of that blessing or not? And so um, for the guys that would come up to you and just being like, you know, again, how can I get there? How can I achieve that? How can I find a find a woman and settle down with her? Like, how would you speak into their life? Like, what would be the first piece of encouragement that you would give them? So the first biggest piece of encouragement, even as men, we need to understand our identity, our value, and our worth. That's good. So for me, going back to like the whole Chase and JCPenney dynamic was my perspective. Mm -hmm. It was more about what can I do for God here and what do I need to learn in this year and a half compared to the five years where I didn't care about yeah. that which led me to become the man that, yes, he needed, yeah. right? And wanted. Right. Got to throw that in there. <laughs> I mean, we've heard the story. Yeah, we've heard the know? story, you know. So I, I caught on a little late, which we could talk about in the phase three of my journey. Yeah. But so those are some of the bigger, the biggest things up front yeah. is once you understand that, then your perspective begins to align with God's perspective on who he created a male figure to be. Yeah. Especially in the home, in society, on the job. Just like you mentioned, you know, our identity isn't necessarily like I'm the chef at Olive Garden, for right. example, right? <laughs> yeah. Like 
much you're much more than that but it's also what you do in a sense that defines who you are and how you steward that exactly, yeah. right because adam was like the manager of a garden mm -hmm. so god saw him as my creation my son firstborn but he's also my my gardener yeah my manager here yeah so all of those facets of of him is is important and all the facets of a, a masculine man mm -hmm. is what's missing in society today and that's why we have the mess we have out there yeah. which i won't go down that rabbit hole so those are some of the first things i would say the other part of it is also men need to hang out with other men yes. because we are the ones that are supposed to sharpen one another and correct one another and point each other towards the things that men need to be doing exactly so there's a lot of scriptures that talk about a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire mm -hmm. A child that's left to himself brings shame to his mother, right? You can go on and on about those scriptures in Proverbs. And what that really is trying to unpack for us in a simpler terms is if you're left alone, you're going to be led astray, not only by your emotions, you're going to give into whatever the enemy wants you to give right. into. And you're going to start becoming friends with those same people. Mm -hmm. And that group is going to do a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. No. You're along for the whirlwind. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and I love that you even brought up the Proverbs because I know that you're a diligent like reader of that. It's because even thinking of that, I was listening to the Proverbs earlier today. And it just talks about how the immoral woman catches a guy that's isolated, pretty much, right? The one mm -hmm. that's just like wandering on in the streets. And so that to me is pretty crucial because going back to that Adam example, you know, one thing that, I, that I've noticed about that, too, is like God didn't allow him the helper, which is obviously Eve, until um, Adam needed help with his vision. Right. And so I feel like in today's day and age, um, there may be a certain sect of people that are doing that completely backwards. It's like they get they think that they're going to get vision once they get married, once they find a spouse or whatever. And I'm not saying and there's not an increase in motivation, but you should already be setting yourself up for that. Right. And so then that leads me to the third segment, which is your journey with Yessie. Like, um, how was I? I can't wait to hear her entire story and for our listeners to be able to hear her perspective, which I know that she shared a little bit. But how was it for you, like meeting her and going through that journey with her? Like, tell us about that. Yeah. So phase three of the journey. <laughs> We're there. So Yessie is awesome. And before I dive into that, I agree with the part where you need to start preparing yourself mm -hmm. and then once your wife comes along you guys settle down as the scriptures say once again in proverbs that god will add favor to you yes. and your vision will expand uh even your perspective in life will expand and then when you have a kid it's going to change again mm -hmm. right and it's, it's all uh based on the way god created us and to have the generations and how it really does something to the man right it does something to the woman obviously yeah. too but just from my perspective and how it's changed my life even more in a, in a very deep and profound way. So Yessie and I, we've known each other. We met at Jesse Penney's and she, I can't remember when she got hired, but I think it was around 2013-ish, I'm guessing. Do you know when she got hired there? I think it was 14. It was 14? Yeah, okay, so 2013, 2014, we were friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked with her sister, Natalie. She's awesome. And Shout out to Natalie. Shout out to Natalie, <laughs> yeah, in case she watches this. And her husband, Christian, shout yeah. out to you guys. So we were friends for the whole time. Um, I never really had a thing for her like that. And I wasn't like looking around, yeah. to be honest with you. I was in one relationship. It was a worldly one. I got cheated on. It was horrible. So went through all that. And it wasn't like it kept me from dating. But I knew once I got saved that you don't just date, just right. date. Right? Yeah. There has to be a purpose behind it. And so I was more on, God, make me mature and be the man that you need me to be. And that's where my heart was. 
So let's go towards, I believe it's the end of 2018. And God was really speaking to me about Yesi. Okay. And I right before, or before that time that this happened, I started noticing her a lot more. There was okay. uh, something about her that it just seemed more colorful to me. Hmm. She seemed more colorful to me. She seemed more, uh, I, I was more excited to be around her. I remember one time I was at uh, Mike and Denise's house. Shout out to Mike and Denise. <laughs> Shout out. I was at their house on uh, Holguin over on Avenue I yeah, before yeah. they sold that. And we were in there after uh, church one Sunday. And we were fellowshipping. And I remember saying, I don't know where. So this is like the goofy Andre. <laughs> the next woman that walks through that door, I'm going to marry her. And it just happened to be yes. We talk about it till this day. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of funny how that happened. So that happened. I don't even remember when that was. But I was reminded of that. And God was really dealing with me. And just speaking to me about her and just giving me glimpses of what he had for us. Yeah. And so it wasn't like she was manipulating me because right. you guys talked about that. That wasn't the case at all. It was more of she prayed for me and to be a, the man that God needed me to be. That's right. And then God started really working on my heart. And I think it was at the right time in my life where I had already had this job uh, or was about to get into this job, I believe. And. I was starting to mature mm -hmm. and my mentorships were pointing me in the direction of, okay, well, the next phase in your life is to get married. And I was 26-ish or so. Yeah. And so talked to her um, after Sue and Henry's, we had Bible study one night on Tuesday. Shout out to Sue and Henry. <laughs> so many shout outs, right? So many, uh, so many awesome people in our lives. It's, it's incredible to think about that. But when I approached her about courting, it was in a manner of, hey, um, Sorry if I put you through a lot, but this is where <laughs> I my heart. Still remember that. Yeah, this is where my. This is where my. You were, I think, you were there. Yeah, yeah, you were there. This is where my heart's at, and if you want to talk, like we could talk. And so I gave her the room to think about it, and mm -hmm. she was. I think she was excited, <laughs> and so uh, we unblocked our phone numbers, which is a whole whole different thing, accountability wise, yeah. right? So just on a side tangent. Men and women shouldn't be friends like that. No. So I just want to mention that out there because a lot of people think that's cool. No. And it's mm -mm. normal and it, it's not. It's so not. there was a lot of boundaries that I had. Um, and one of them was uh, just blocking a lot of people that I feel like I shouldn't have access right. to talk to like that. Right. And so we ended up courting. Uh, got the job in June of 2019. Mm -hmm. And so I was preparing to propose. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course the whole COVID thing happened. Right. So 2019 worked at the company that I'm at six, seven months and then start, asked her, uh, dad, asked her mom to propose, talked to my parents about it. I remember I got a Rob's blessing, mm -hmm. all the pastors blessing, everyone I ran it through everybody. And I proposed, I hijacked her birthday, which is, That's you were right. there. Yes. It was pretty fun. March, 2020 proposed and then COVID hit April. Of that year we got into escrow bought this house that That's we're in right good, now yeah. and then she moved in and we got married in september actually i think it was on rosh hashanah in yeah, 2020 I, I think september 19 2020 here in our backyard uh so it's a little bit over three years now and it's interesting because now we're at a point where we're able to not finish each other's sentences but she doesn't have to tell me and i know that like, I should go get her this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just, I, you can discern it kind yeah. of. So, uh, Zarai was born last year, though. Mm. She's 16 months, 15, 16 months around around there. Yeah. And that's a little bit of our journey. So, I'm not going to lie and say it was easy. Right. It was tough. 
there was times where we went on dates and we drove separate. Actually, every single time we drove separate, even yeah. to uh, something we went to in L.A. We drove separate from here to L.A., went to a, a little show out there and then drove separate back. Yeah. So we really took accountability and boundaries serious. She was accountable to Pastor Linda and I was accountable to Abraham throughout mm -hmm. the whole process. And I believe that's what really set up a strong foundation for our marriage. I agree. Because we didn't get into the areas that we shouldn't have right. before marriage and just create those issues that we had to deal with later yeah. on. Which I think, again, super profound because I, what, I feel like a lot of precision that men would take is like, well, no. Like, why do I need to run this by somebody? Why do I need to run this by so-and-so if I can take you out on a date? Why do we even have to drive in separate cars? But um, I think that it... For me, I know Yessie, it was like a little bit frustrating from her, right? Being her best friend, just hearing that side of the story. But even in that, like, I really do want to highlight Yessie because even though she and I are best friends and all these things, like when they started actually getting serious, she was she wouldn't divulge a lot of details. And I think that is one of the most honoring, honoring things that she could have done because obviously through the process of courting and all these things, like you get to, you start seeing people's ugly side. You start seeing mm -hmm. people's like not so polished side. And obviously a lot of vulnerability, a lot of emotions and all these things. And I, I, to this day, like, I respect that because I'm like, you know, even though I know that she was going through a tough time because, I mean, you guys have shared how you guys really went through the ringer. Um, she always made sure that, um, and like, she always made sure that she represented it well. You know what I mean? And it's not about hiding it or anything like that. She just wanted to make sure to preserve that. And so to me, that that's very key because, um, girls are day and age like what they want to do is they either want to throw somebody under the bus or they want to just like get sympathy or whatever but that's one of the things that I just absolutely love about her is that she always made sure to keep that honor right and so one thing that I also want to highlight from what you're saying is when um, your mentors were like well the next step for you is to get married and I think that is such a highlight because that's the natural progression of maturity it's like you know you first start off selfish then you want to be somebody in the world like you want to be an addition to the world you want to be a blessing and then from there you're like okay like now i want to reproduce that like i want to be able to create that i want to create my own um sphere right where i can bring in a blessing to the world and bring in a unity and so to the men that are like uh you know because it's so hard um from what i see a lot of men have chosen to be single even to like their older years and all these things and i get it like process of time whatever but at the same time, I think it really shows a lack of maturity for men who have not chosen to settle down, right? And so then how do you, I guess my question really is, now that you're on this part of it, like you're a father, you're a husband, um, how do you speak to men that are maybe not desiring that yet or don't find any value in that? How would you speak to them? Yeah, so it is a bit difficult to try and encourage men to go through the amazing things that I've experienced myself. Because growing up, I didn't really think about getting married or having a kid. It wasn't something that was in the forefront of my mind. But the free will that we enjoy on a daily basis is one of the biggest factors. But at the same time, all I really like to do to answer that question to these men is just share my story, share mm -hmm. my testimony, share what I go through now and and even even jokingly sometimes like the sleepless nights and and some of the tough parts, you know, about being a dad and uh, keeping the honor 
with the family, of right. course, right? Not not saying things that throw the family under the bus. It's not who I am. But it, it's part of such a beautiful story that I feel once people hear it, then it makes them think twice about it. Yeah. And and I don't know how it is being 50 and single, right? right? I'm not that guy. So it's kind of hard for me to meet those guys there and, yeah. and try and encourage them to, hey, you know, because it's a different point in their lives. But the younger men, really, it's getting the work ethic down, yeah. getting the integrity down. There's a lot of internal checks mm -hmm. that need to be evaluated on a daily basis and make sure that we're aligning to the word of God yeah. and applying ourselves to whatever season that God has put us in yeah. so we can get the most out of it. And that's what really prepares our hearts for that. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of warfare and battle behind it. And I think that is the main part where some of the men think that, okay, you know what? Maybe it's not worth it. Yeah. But also on the other part of it is as human beings, we get very psychological and we get in our own minds and yes. we start playing out all these scenarios and why I can't do this or why I shouldn't take this mm -hmm. step, why I shouldn't make this decision. And you really just talk yourself out of an incredible life. Right. Right, because risk reward ratios, it's a real thing, even when it comes to getting married. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you're taking a risk, so to speak, marrying someone that you didn't maybe you grew up with them, if you knew them from a young age, maybe yeah. you didn't. But then the reward of it is you see God's hand in it, you see God's blessing in it once done properly, right. and your life is so much more colorful and incredible. Yeah, it's funny that you said that because literally in my heart, that's what I was thinking. It's like when you started talking about the older man, like that, um, a man that's like 50 years old. And I think a lot of it is that. It's like that risk, right? Well, what if it doesn't work out? What if the blah, blah, blah? It's like what we don't understand is like a lot of the fears that we carry or the, a lot of the risks that we have, we really have full control over those things. Like if you have a fear of like it's not going to work out, you have full control to help it work out. Like, and I get it. Like other people have their own will and stuff, but I think it really comes down to like the conscience. Like as long as you know that you did everything that you could possibly do, like there is not. There is no life that doesn't have any risk. You just have to choose what risks are worth it. And so um, with that being said, like, I completely agree with that. Like, the risk versus reward, I think it's absolutely stunning. And a lot of people should definitely take that into consideration and just be like, you know what? Like, the biggest risk is living this earth without leaving a footprint on it and living a life that's selfish and constantly in fear. Because I, I have seen just tremendous growth in my friends, not just you, but other people like just the shift that happens once a family comes in whether they came from a family where they weren't um there wasn't any unity and all of a sudden like i think i might have mentioned this in one of the other podcasts but there's a verse that says that the god takes the lonely and he puts them in families and there's also um i just touched on it on sunday where it talks about that jesus endured what he endured on that cross because of the reward which was a family that he would inherit and so to me it's like if Jesus died because of a family that he would soon receive, how much more should we put value on that ourselves? You know what I mean? Where the Lord has given us this gift to be able to be either be placed in families or be able to create our own families. And so um, that's why it was so important for me to have people listen to you, because, again, I've seen it from the selfish era all the way now to where it's like how selfless you are, where with Yessi, where um, like. I mean, the things that she shares with me. It's just so beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, I remember for one of her birthdays, I'm like, dude, like, thank you for loving my friends so much. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. to be able to see your friends go through the struggle or go through all these things and to see them be respected and honored, like, that to me is such a, is such a gift, you know? 
And so now that we're, I just kind of want to wrap it up. Like, what is, what are your final thoughts? Something that you want to leave the listeners with? Something I want to leave the listeners with. That's a good one. Men, don't take steroids. <laughs> That's the first thing. Uh, no, but all jokes aside, as men, we have to endure the tough things in life. Mm-hmm. And as you go through that process of enduring these tough things, which is X, Y, and Z, it's different for everyone. Right. But yet the same. That's also what builds the character in you to have that incredible married dad life. Mm-hmm. Because you're setting the foundation now. So it's now is not really for the single men out there. It's not a time to relax. It's not a time to just let the days pass and not be purposeful. Now is when you're preparing for the Olympics. Yeah. You're preparing for the big stage and that Olympics and the big stage, you know, sports analogies, because that's what works with me, is you're the rest of your life married, whatever age you get married at, that's and have a kid from then on. And so it's really about being purposeful on a daily basis. And as you get closer to God, which I've realized this in my own life, hearing his voice is one of the most incredible gifts. And that's what puts that masculinity in you because he's the one that reveals the things that you should be involved in Mm -hmm. and not waste your time on the things that you shouldn't. And so really filtering those things out and focusing on the non-negotiables that yeah. God has spoken to me about is really what's led me to where I'm at. Yeah. And just turning 32, I don't care if I age myself, <laughs> I feel better than when I was 21. It's one of the most incredible gifts to have such a amazing and honoring wife that she supports me the way she does. Right. To have Zariah, it, I come home from work and it's the most amazing thing ever. And I want all the men out there to experience that right. in their in their own realm. And so get get mentors seek out many mentors even professionally i have Mm -hmm. an awesome mentor that's speaking into my life at work which i'm so thankful for Mm -hmm. get spiritual mentors it's very important have the close friends that can call you out or pull you aside hey man you shouldn't have said that hey we should uh you know the men's groups right i've done a lot of different men's groups going through sexual purity stuff Mm -hmm. and i approach them asking for help and they put on the class because I I had that need and it impacted a lot of men. So that's another part of it that I want to leave the guys with. A lot of times we're so prideful that we don't want to ask for help. And the type of guy I am is Abraham even said it as my best man at the wedding. Andre asks a ton of questions. Mm -hmm. And that's another factor of me getting to where I'm at right now is I've not been afraid to ask for help. I've not been afraid to ask those tough questions, even though I might have not liked the answers. Right. And being willing to just go through the journey, yeah. which I think a journey, the word journey is such an awesome word because in ancient Hebrew, Torah meant journey oh, before, before it started being referred to as just law. Yeah. So good. life is a complete Torah. It's a complete journey. Journey, excuse me. And God created us to steward families. That's good. So then... The one last question, actually. Mm-hmm. So if a man comes to you and says, how do I find God's will? What would you say? Okay. So the, the formula that is also biblical is you get to know your father, get to know God, get to know the word, do the word. God will also meet you right then and there where you're at. And from there, you start to discern and hear his voice and his will for your life. And once you're in his will, that's when you know 
so to speak, that you've made it. That's good. That's good. Hot fire. Everything else is outpouring from that. Yeah. Completely agree. Easier said than done, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a, just to add a little bit more onto it, big sacrifice. There was a, almost every weekend back from like 2015 to time I met Yessi, just thinking about, man, buddies out there, friends out there doing all this cool stuff. And I was at home reading the word and just spending time in prayer, yeah. just in my room by myself. And that's what really birthed this masculine, yes. God-fearing identity that now I'm thankful to have in me. Right. So it really just comes down to that, like the discipline to seek out, right? The discipline to seek out. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, when they don't hear from the very beginning, it's like, well, no, you have to continuously show up. You have to continuously ask and you have to continuously read. And it really comes down to like the two things, which is prayer and the word. The more that you pray, the more that you're in the word, the more that God will reveal himself to you, right? It says in John, uh, not John, James, to draw near to God and he would draw near to you. And so how do you draw near to something or someone is by letting go of all the things that would distract you. And so if a thing that distracts you is like, women or it's men or it's like sexual impurity things or addictions all these things then it really starts by getting away from that and one thing that i've learned as i've grown in the lord is like at, before i used to beat myself up when i couldn't let go of things and i would discipline like this harshly discipline myself i guess punish myself mm -hmm. and the more that i grew in the lord i realized lord help me turn my eyes and my heart away from that and then now it was a leading it was no longer a punishment and I think the more that men and women lean into that, the more that they're going to see that God really is good, right? God's discipline is not a, it's not harshness and it's not to keep you from having fun, but it's to lead you into eternal life. And so thank you so much for sharing all of that. It was hot fire. I'm sure we're mm. going to have you out again. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do a couples interview. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, so thank you everybody yeah. for tuning in to Who's in the Vine. Don't forget to check out our follow-up episode. On Thursday, who, no, it's not Who's in the Vine. It's In the Vine Dating Podcast. Check us out on Instagram, inthevine.dating, and sign up for our event coming up. We are literally days away, November 18. So sign up at inthevinedating.com. We're more than happy to host you guys and to create such an awesome atmosphere for you. So take care, and don't forget to pray for your single friends. It's hard out here. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode or we answered any of your questions, or you have a question that you would like to be discussed in future episodes, let us know in the comments or share on social media. You may also email us at inthevine.dating at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website for more information about our upcoming events on inthevinedating.com. And be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss out on the amazing content and guests we have lined up for you. Shalom and God bless.